From the Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Center for Media Evangelization in Ewing, New Jersey, welcome to Come to Me with Jim Manfredonia. Stay tuned for an hour of talk, reflections, and meditations on topics that are important to today's Catholics. And now, here is your host, Jim Manfredonia. And a very good day to you, my friends. Welcome once again to Come to Me. My name is Jim Manfredonia, and as always, it is a great joy to be here with you. And today, though, my friends, a bittersweet day for the apostolate. Um, And uh, just, uh, you know, we're still kind of getting everything together here. Um, uh, First, let you know, thank you for your prayers uh, for us and our family uh, we were uh, very, very happy and are happy to announce the arrival of uh, our third grandchild, Theodore William Manfredonia. I checked in last night uh, on the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary and uh, at nine pounds, one ounce. So and uh, everybody's doing great. So we thank God for that. And I thank you for your prayers. Uh, but however, my friends, on a very, very sad note, I did receive a call this morning, um, late morning from our friend Brian Middleton, uh, to let us know that the Lord did call uh, his daughter home. Maria has been called home to the to the Lord, and we pray that uh, uh, she is in his arms right now, uh, praying for all of us. So uh, it was a long, tough battle for uh, Maria and her family. And of course, we prayed that God's will be done, prayed for the miracle, um, but this morning, our Lord said it's time for her to come home to him. So we, we certainly all, for as much as we suffer great loss, especially the, the Middleton family, um, who have endured so much, um, and as being a part of our domestic church media family, we, we, we are saddened as well uh, beyond expression. Um, but we do, our faith teaches us that... Uh, we know that this is a temporary separation. It's not a permanent one. And it's just tough when someone's so young in her, her life, she was 17 years old uh, and uh, was diagnosed with that tumor on her brain stem back in January of 2019. At the time, really not given more than, than six to nine months uh, here. But in her, the grace of being able to, to be with us and, and really the world, because she has touched many, many people around the world uh, in her own uh, journey, um, uh, a great blessing. And we know now, as we know with any passing from this life into the next, especially someone who, uh, while on earth, uh, had enormous power in her suffering, uh, we believe and we know with all our hearts that uh, her true power is now unleashed in her glory. And so we, uh, we pray for the Middleton family, our hearts go out to them. They've been dear friends of this apostolate from the very, very beginning. Uh, to suffer such a tragic loss is, a, is a, again, beyond anything that we can say. But we do know that they're a family of faith and that uh, they understand that our ways are not God's ways. But we know that our God is an all-loving, all-powerful, omnipotent God who loves every single one of his children and, you know, as I, I, I've said so often, as Mother Angelica quote, especially when there's a, uh, the, the passing of someone so young um, and people wonder why, whether it be, a, as, as Maria was a teenager or a child or an infant, uh, at whatever stage in life, but especially as young people, 
Mother Angelica had a wonderful theory that we don't understand it because of our being so um, uh, driven and and working in time and space. We don't understand the the, the fact that uh, Mother would say, even though it's a tragedy for us when we see and hear about or experience the death of a young person, but Mother believed that it was at that moment, at that very moment, that that soul would attain the highest level of heaven in God's way, in God's time. So, again, we, it's tough for us to understand because we are such infinite thinkers, uh, finite thinkers, I should, I should end to say. We're such finite thinkers, we don't think about the infinity of it all. So uh, just keep, if you would, Brian and Susan Middleton and their family in your prayers today, a very sad day for them. Um, but also, in a way, knowing that through her suffering, young Maria touched so many lives uh, and so many people, and I believe now will touch even more, because I do believe, as uh, the other night I was having one of those, you know, one of those tossing and turning nights where you just, <laughs> you just can't, can't get to sleep, and uh, I just was thinking about her, and just felt in my heart the Lord speaking those words that for as many people that have been praying for her over these past number of months, now so many more people will be praying to her. And the power that she had in her suffering here on earth was great, but her true power has now been unleashed and will be unleashed in her glory. So, um, and I believe that we have a special intercessor now for us here at the Apostolate because it wasn't too long ago that she was here and we were praying over her and praying with her. And uh, she told me that she downloaded the free app and she was excited about that. So um, anyway, thank you all for all your prayers. And again, our hearts go out to the Middleton family, Brian and Susan and all their family, a beautiful family of faith that will now uh, be asked by their witness uh, to give witness to that faith. So, And they will as it have been for the past number of months. Uh, let's pray, my brothers and sisters, and of course we'll, we will keep um, the happy repose of the soul of our friend Maria Middleton and the Middleton family in, in our prayers as we pray for our country, as we pray for our church. Um, and I, again, pray in thanksgiving for, for the gift of uh, our beautiful uh, little grandson who was born last night, Theodore William, I guess they're calling, calling him Teddy, uh, William Manfredonia, who uh, nine pounds, one ounce, and just doing great, and, and so are mom and dad and family. So all these, you know, these the, the cycle of life, right? You know, and we just go through it all. But we all know one day, uh, God, by God's grace, we'll end up in his embrace. And um, we look forward to that day. But while we're here, we have work to do. So let's pray. Uh, for our country and all the intentions you have in your heart, we begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Most Holy Trinity, our Father in heaven, who chose Mary as the fairest of your daughters, Holy Spirit, who chose Mary as your spouse, God the Son, who chose Mary as your mother, in union with Mary, we adore your majesty and acknowledge your supreme eternal dominion and authority. Most Holy Trinity, we put the United States of America into the hands of Mary Immaculate, in order that she may present the country to you. 
Through her, we wish to thank you for the great resources of this land and for the freedom which has been its heritage. Through the intercession of Mary, have mercy on the Catholic Church in America. Grant us peace. Have mercy on our president and on all the officers of our government. Grant us a fruitful economy born of justice and charity. Have mercy on capital and industry and labor. Protect the family life of our nation. Guard the precious gift of many religious vocations. Through the intercession of our mother, have mercy on the sick, the tempted, sinners, on all who are in need. Mary, Immaculate Virgin, our mother, patroness of our land, we praise you and honor you and give ourselves to you. Protect us from every harm. Pray for us that acting always according to your will and the will of your divine Son, we may live and die pleasing to God. Amen. And we'll pray our prayers that Holy Father asks us to pray uh, to protect our country from the attacks of the devil. And, of course, uh, we add to that uh, to protect our country uh, as well as our church from the attacks of the devil. So we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. And we pray, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray for us. Saint Pope John Paul II, pray for us. And today, in a very special way, because it is the feast day of Our Lady of Good Remedy, Our Lady of Good Remedy, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, again, my friends, thank you so very, very much. And thank you for your prayers. And I know that the Middleton family, thank you, because we've heard from so many of you uh, who have been praying over the past number of months for Maria, who, if you're just joining us, was called home to the Lord this morning. And... Um, those prayers were great sustenance uh, and sources of strength uh, for uh, Brian and Susan and their entire family and for Maria. Um, but now she's in the Lord's arms. And my goodness, you think about that, think about where she is and who she's with. And as I said, I just feel that, you know, for so long from since we began praying for her when the diagnosis was first made in January of 2017, uh, 2019, um, uh, over these number of months, so many prayers being prayed and so many lives having been touched. We were hearing, uh, they would share, the family would share with us stories of people from out of the blue who tell them about conversions and uh, back to prayer and back to God through uh, Maria's suffering. And uh, as I said, her, her power on earth was great in her suffering here, but now I do believe that in her glory, uh, we're going to see extraordinary power. So pray for her soul. Pray to her. I do believe that. I think that her, any purgatory that was, and I'm not, I, I, I'm not taking on the mind of God, but any purgatory that may have been coming her way, I think was lived out here over the past number of months. And so we pray that she's now in Jesus' arms, embraced by him. And, and uh, as an intercessor for us, I believe, 
I believe for the apostolate and for many others, especially young people. You know, I think if you have um, young people in your family or you know of young people who are suffering uh, because of the world and the ways of the world and the things of the world, um, I would say seek, seek Maria's intercession for that young person because I do believe her power is going to be beyond understanding as an intercessor, especially in those situations as a young person herself. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it was such a, a tragedy, but we do know, as I said, the Middleton family are a family of great faith, and they will give great witness to that faith. I promise you that. Uh, as I said, today is the feast day of Our Lady of Good Remedy. You know, we pray that prayer just before the program. I should say we, that my children, <laughs> when they were little, that prayer was recorded that we pray uh, just before I come on the air here. It was recorded probably over 20 years ago uh, with Cheryl and our little ones, who are now all big ones with children of their own. But um, the reason we pray that prayer is because when I first met Mother Angelica, the very, the very, not the first time, the second time I met Mother Angelica was down at EWTN. When I kind of found my way down there um, after a business trip in Memphis. Decided to take the southern route back to, <laughs> to New Jersey. Um, found my way down to the uh, EWTN uh, campus in Irondale and uh, met Mother. I had met her previously a couple years before when she was still doing public speaking and she was at the Valley Forge Music Fair over here in Pennsylvania. But it was right at the beginning of my, I shouldn't say the beginning, right at the, 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 the I had already started doing a little bit of Catholic radio but I was still working in a secular position, in a corporate position, and uh, went found my way down there. And and uh, after her program, and Mother, uh, I had the opportunity to go over and greet her. And uh, I said, Mother, I'm trying to bring Catholic Radio to New Jersey and Pennsylvania. And she put her hand, put my hands between her two hands, and she held my hands, and she said, "Pray to Our Lady of Good Remedy; she will help you." And I had never heard of. Uh, that Our Lady under that title, um, but I, I said, oh, I will, I will, and I, of course, did some research and, and found, and we've been sending out those prayer cards probably ever since, and if, you, if you'd like free copies of the uh, Prayer to Our Lady of Good Remedy, you can, you can uh, request them on our website, and they're free. We'll just send them out to you to spread devotion, but uh, the, the reason Mother said Pray to Our Lady of Good Remedy was because under that title... Our Lady was invoked uh, way, way back um, 500 years ago uh, when Christians were being sold into slavery um, by the Muslims. And St. John Matha would do everything he could to buy them out of slavery. So he would pray to Our Lady under that title, and he would get the money he would need to buy the Christians out of slavery. And Mother and the, the nuns have been praying that prayer uh, from the beginning of EWTN, and they, the nuns still pray it for funding for the network. That's why we put that prayer on our station, is to just pray uh, through Our Lady under that title, Our Lady of Good Remedy, that we would always have enough funding to support our work. But the original picture of Our Lady of Good Remedy was the Blessed Mother holding a bag of money. <laughs> but the picture now is... Our Lady holding the uh, child Jesus, which is the greatest treasure, of course, um, 
But that's why we do that. That's why we pray. Mother herself told me face-to-face, one-on-one, said, pray to Our Lady of Good Remedy. She will help you. And so today is her feast day, October 8th, the Feast of Our Lady of Good Remedy. So uh, let's say some prayers to her today because we do need funding. It's been a rough time now since we uh, didn't have our radiothon. Uh, and uh, you know the bills keep coming in. So let's just pray to Blessed Mother under that title, if you would. You can find the prayer on our website. You can pray right off the website. You can re- request your own free Our Lady of Good Remedy uh, um, uh, prayer cards. We'll send them to you. Um, so let's do that, if you would, for us today. It would be a big help. And support us. While you're on the website, you can click Donate Now, make a little donation in honor of Our Lady of Good Remedy. How about that? That would be nice. Uh, well, so I want to share with you today, of course, is Catechism Day. We'll go back to the Catechism uh, second uh, half of the hour. But um, I thought today I would share with you, and I will over the next couple of weeks uh, during this time, from the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops on the uh, faithful citizenship. And this is a document that uh, forming conscience is called Forming Consciences for Faithful Citizenship. Now, of course, it's a, it's a long document. I can't read the whole thing to you or share the whole thing with you. But I do want to share the very beginning of it with you today, uh, and we will go to the Catechism's second half of the hour. Uh, but they begin it, and they update it every year. Uh, with So this particular uh, piece that I'm going to share with you now, the very beginning, they begin with a quote from Pope Francis from The Joy of the Gospel, his uh, beautiful document from a, a few years ago. But the bishops write, As a nation, we share many blessings and strengths, including a tradition of religious freedom and political participation. However, as a people, we face serious challenges that are both political and moral. There has always been so, and this has always been so, and as Catholics, we are called to participate in public life in a manner consistent with the mission of our Lord, a mission that has called us to sh- that He has called us to share. And then they again quote from the Holy Father, where Pope Francis wrote, "An authentic faith always involves a deep desire to change the world." to transmit values, to leave this earth somehow better than we found it. We love this magnificent planet on which God has put us, and we love the human family which dwells here, Pope Francis wrote, with all its tragedies and struggles, its hopes and aspirations, its strengths and weaknesses. The earth is our common home, and all of us are brothers and sisters. If indeed the just ordering of society and of a state is a central responsibility of politics, the church cannot and must not remain on the sidelines in the fight for justice. Now we see and hear these days, you know, we're, we're right in the thick of a very fierce political season. We know the candidates. And we should know what each of the candidates stands for. And if they're running, we only have two candidates, one Republican, one Democrat, and they're running on platforms of those parties. Look at the platforms of each of the parties. And you have to discern through a well-formed Catholic conscience. You know, if we're strictly voting on personality, 
and we're forgetting about platforms and issues and important uh, um, um, issues, there's something lacking there. Holy Father, in the joy of the gospel, said that we cannot and must not remain on the sidelines in the fight for justice. The bishops wrote, in this fight for justice, God gives us a special gift, hope, which Pope Benedict describes in Caritas in Veritate as bursting into our lives as something not due to us, something that transcends every law, sorry, something that transcends every law of justice. Thus, we take up the task of serving the common good with joy and hope, confident that God, who so loved the world that he gave his only son, walks with us and strengthens us on the way. And this is, again, from, from uh, Faithful Citizenship, forming, a, a, conforming your conscience, Faithful Citizenship. God is love, and he desires that we, help, that we help to build a civilization of love, one in which all human beings have the freedom and opportunity to experience the love of God and live out that love by making a free gift of themselves to one another. And again, my friends, you know, I think we're in a, right now, and, and I don't think anybody's innocent, and they were, everybody's guilty of, of, of where we are. Socially, you know, there's just a lot of anger. There's a lot of division. Uh, there's a lot of mistrust, miscommunication. There's a lot of deceit in all of this, and it becomes so difficult. And you try, out of all that, to 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 pick out where you see good, and and build upon that. And we, as members of the body of Christ. We are called by God himself to help build up this civilization of love. We're, we're called to, by virtue of our baptism, to build up the kingdom here on earth, not tear it down. Again, um, Pope Francis in The Joy of the Gospel uh, encourages us to meditate on the inseparable bond between our acceptance of the message of salvation and the genuine fraternal love. God's Word teaches that our brothers and sisters are the prolongation of the incarnation for each of us. As you did it for one of these, the least of my brothers, uh, you did it for me, and that's from Matthew 25, of course. The way we treat others has a transcendent dimension, Pope Francis wrote. The measure you give will be the measure you get. And that can be pretty scary. <laughs> Think about it over the course of our lives, right? Uh, uh, Holy Father says, it corresponds to the mercy which God has shown us. And then another quote, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. For the measure you give with the, will be the measure you get back. Pope Francis says what these passages make clear is the absolute priority of going forth from ourselves toward our brothers and sisters as one of the two great commandments which ground every moral norm and as the clearest sign of discerning spiritual growth in response to God's complete free gifts. 
Yeah, and again, you know, Holy Father just most recently, just last uh, last weekend, signed his uh, newest encyclical, uh, Fratelli Tutti, All Brothers, which basically, you know, it comes down to just this, to love. And, and what does that mean to some people? What is, you know, to love one another as I have loved you, Jesus said. What does that mean? What's the greatest thing you can do for a person to love them. Doesn't mean you have to like them, <laughs> right? Jesus didn't say like one another like as I like you. But love means you want the, the greatest good for a person. And what's the greatest good? Heaven. And God forbid we we be we be the one who hinders someone else from attaining that greatest good by the way we treat them or actions that we make that could hinder that we're called to love and that means i want to i want to see you in heaven i may not like you in this life <laughs> you may not like me but we're called to love one another you know mother angelica uh after one of her you know she had these these little mini strokes before one that really uh, put her out of commission there um but I remember her saying after that probably was the first one that she she blacked out, but she eventually recovered enough to go back and do her television program. And you know, Mother Angelica had a, a reputation, uh, rightfully so, as as being um, uh, um, hot tempered, <laughs> and uh, you know, um, being uh, uh, impulsive. Perhaps she could she would get angry. Righteously angry at, at uh, things and individuals. And, uh, you know, she had some battles herself, even with, with a couple of cardinals and bishops. <laughs> but after she had that stroke, and they say she blacked out or she, she became unconscious, she came back to doing one of her programs, and she said, I have seen the other side. Was it a near-death experience? I don't know, something the Lord revealed to her? I don't know, but... She felt she saw the other side. And she said, one thing that I learned was, don't get hung up on the little things of this life. Don't let them drag you down. It's not worth it. What awaits us beyond this life is something, as St. Paul said, that is, you know, no, no, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it even entered the mind what God has in store. And Mother said she saw that. She experienced that. And she said, don't let the little stuff in this life bother you and get you down and, and get you angry and, and, and make you, you know, uh, filled, get filled with angst. And, and it's not worth it, she said. And it basically comes down to just love. You know, we, we, by our own human weaknesses, our own human frailties, we have uh, character flaws. You, know, you may not believe that, but I have many of them. <laughs> Talk, talk to anybody, they'll tell you. And I know that, that I have. You know, I think I've, 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 I've mellowed out a bit since uh, my younger days. I've become a little bit more patient. I didn't always have a lot of patience. It's not worth it. And we all have them. You know, we're human. We're, we're, we're of a fallen nature. But if we can allow ourselves to love as Jesus commanded us to, not, not asked us to or suggested, but has he commanded us to love, to do whatever we can to do that, to live up to that. And as I said, 
you know, because of our our human weakness and our human condition, we won't always like everybody, and no, not everybody will always like us. That's just how it is. I may not like you, but I'm 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 commanded to love you. And what does that mean? Again, it means I want the greatest good for you. I want you to have the greatest that life has to offer, and I mean eternal life, and that is heaven. And I want to see you there. And so I may not like you, but I'll pray for you. Jesus said to pray for our enemies and pray for those who persecute us because I want to see you get attain heaven. Because when we get there, all these human uh, obstacles— will be gone. We won't have to worry about them. Maybe that's part of the the, uh, the the purging, the burning away of those things that will hinder us from entering into uh, eternal life, into glory. Getting rid of all those things that are that are dragging us down and and and, and preventing us from truly loving. Now, all this leads up, and I'm saying I'm running out of time here, but all this leads up, and this is from the bishop's document on forming a conscience in faithful citizenship, leading up to the role, the mission that we have as church and as individual Catholics in the world as, as far as it affects our political um, beliefs and, and actions. Are we voting for people who will do that, who will build up a kingdom of love, a civilization of love? Or are we voting for someone who, by whatever legislation that he or she may uh, um, promote or approve, will tear down, will, will destroy, will, will uh, hinder the lives of individuals in this country? A lot there, I know, and this is just the tip of the iceberg, but hopefully as we go through the next few weeks, we'll get more in, in detail on this so we can share some of what the bishops have written. You can read it yourself. Just search, do a Google search for Faithful Citizenship. It'll take you right to the bishop's website. It's all there. I'll take a break. When I come back, we're going to go to the Catechism of the Catholic Church because it is Thursday. Stay where you are. More to come on Come to Me. Hi, this is Peter Herbeck, host of Fire on the Earth, heard right here on Domestic Church Radio every morning, Monday through Friday at 6.45 a.m. Join us as we seek to hear the voice of Jesus, who calls each one of us personally to follow him, to share in his life, his mission, and his destiny, and to live the high adventure of Catholic discipleship. I hope you can join us every morning, 6.45 a.m. on Domestic Church Radio. God bless you. Here is Mother Angelica speaking about Catholic Radio. There's six billion people, and we got to reach them all. It's people like you, radio stations like your own. And I hope sincerely that people will support you because we need Catholic Radio. We need Catholic television. And if we don't have it, we shall answer to God for that because we are bound by our baptism to spread the good word. We're bound by that. 
Won't you help us spread the good word by praying for us and by making a tax-deductible gift payable to Domestic Church Media, P.O. Box 7509, Trenton, 08628, or by going to our website, wfjs.org, and making a secure online donation using your Visa or MasterCard. Please contact us today. God love you. We need Catholic Radio. We are bound by our baptism to spread the good word. 60 Seconds with Mother Angelica. We need to pray for the gift of knowledge, not just knowledge of our faults, but knowledge of God. Do you know God? Or is he just somebody that you go to when you're in trouble? And this gift of knowledge is a certain amount of detachment. Oh, we don't want to hear about that, do you? We, we're attached to everything. Little things, silly things, chairs. Don't sit in my chair. Why? Because it just fits me. <laughs> it doesn't fit you. You're too fat. <laughs> well, if you ever said that to somebody, you're attached to what? A chair. You can be attached to God, and you can love everybody. You can love your children and love your parents and love even your enemies. But attachments take the soul out of your heart. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. I'm Cheryl. I'm Jim. And we invite you to join us every Friday at 4 p.m. for Friday Live. Two hours of talk, music, interesting, and informative interviews. We'll also have a reflection on Sunday's Gospel, Jim Hoffman's weekend weather forecast, and you'll have a chance to call in and play one of our fun game shows like Saint of the Day or Name That Catholic Tune. It all happens right here Friday at 4 p.m. That's Friday Live, proclaiming the joy of the gospel, communicating hope, on these domestic church media stations. From Bristol to Browns Mills. Shrewsbury to Solberry. Silverdale to Seagirt. Southampton to Seaside Heights. From Lawrenceville to Leonardo. Proclaiming the joy of the gospel on Domestic Church Catholic Radio. Well, welcome back, my friends, on this Feast of Our Lady of Good Remedy, October 8th, 2020. I do pray you are having a blessed day and thanking you for taking some time out of that day to come here and share it with me and all of our listeners and viewers because we're back up on YouTube again. I don't know what happened the other day. We were blocked uh, from streaming by YouTube. Uh, but I, they have this little thing where if you have strikes against you, I went and checked our account. We have no stream. We have zero strikes against us. I don't know what happened. But anyway, we're back up and running on YouTube, Facebook. You can watch the program live. We archive that on our YouTube channel. Uh, as well, all of our audios archived, uh, and you can listen live, of course, in any one of our stations. Actually, I had to go down to Hamilton today, and uh, uh, I was um, from where I live over in Bucks County. My ways sent me down 95 across the Walt Whitman Bridge onto the Atlantic City Expressway uh, to get to Hamilton, which is pretty much midway between Philadelphia and Atlantic City, where we have one of our stations there. And I was very thrilled that uh, when I got off the bridge there uh, into New Jersey, um, 
around Deptford, started picking up uh, 1580 and had it all the way on the expressway loud and clear. And, and I, it goes well. If you, if you drive the expressway, Atlantic City Expressway, from Philadelphia to Atlantic City, you get it almost the whole time, which is great. You know, I, I just keep thinking, why? how can we let people, more, more and more people know about this? They should be listening to Catholic Radio. Uh, we'll see. Um, so, uh, again, those of you who may be just tuning in, uh, as some of you do, to the second half of the program, uh, again, thanking you all for your prayers over these many months, praying for our dear young friend Maria Middleton, who this morning uh, the Lord called home. And a very sad day uh, for and tragic day for the family we know, and, and they've suffered with her as well uh, through all of this. But now we do believe that uh, she is a very, very special intercessor in heaven. And um, just keep praying for Brian and Susan Middleton and their family at the loss of this beautiful young woman, 17 years old, who uh, back in January of 2019 was diagnosed with that inoperable brain tumor. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed for a miracle and a miracle and a miracle. Miracles happened all along the way, though, see, because there were great stories of conversion, people returning to the faith, people who returned to prayer. I mean, these were wonderful, wonderful stories of miracles. And we know our ways are not God's ways. Uh, and so maybe we didn't get the miracle that we prayed for, but there are miracles. And uh, as I said, in my own, um, my own uh, meditating on the situation the other night, not being able to sleep, and I just felt the Lord saying, you know, there were so many people praying for her for the past number of months, but there'll be even more people now praying to her. And the, the power that she had in her own suffering was great, but the, the power that is now unleashed is in her glory is just... Uh, unimaginable. So anyway, we, we, again, thank you for all your prayers. I know the family thanks you throughout these months praying for her. Uh, but now in their mourning, if you would keep them in prayer and raise them up, uh, support them with those prayers, we'd appreciate that. Uh, and also thank you for your prayers on behalf of my family, uh, as we welcomed last night, our newest grandchild, Theodore William Manfredonia. I told my, my son, I said, that sounds rather presidential. <laughs> Theodore William Manfredonia. That's a pretty long ballot, though. <laughs> but healthy, nine pounds, one ounce, big boy, smiling already. We see pictures; he's already smiling. Got a my mother. My mother would say he has great color. <laughs> he's got good olive skin. Uh, so anyway, uh, thank you for your prayers there as well. Um, let's see what else are we gonna do here. Well. Uh, uh, Okay, so I guess we'll go to the catechism. I thought I had something else to share with you, but maybe. Well, tomorrow, Friday, though, is Friday Live. I, don't, I can't believe it's Friday already tomorrow. Um, Cheryl and I will be here, of course, at 4 o'clock, God willing. And uh, tomorrow we're going to have uh, James Day, who's written a book on St. Michael the Archangel. And also Joseph Holcroft, who's going to talk about his, his book, Unleashing the Power of Intercessory Prayer. So a couple of good guests. Uh, we'll have music, talk, uh, the weather. And uh, all kinds of stuff. So tune in tomorrow, 4 o'clock. We're going to play Name That Catholic Tune and allow you to win a fabulous prize. Uh, A lot of of good times tomorrow. So tune in tomorrow, 4 o'clock. Cheryl will be here with me uh, Friday again. Maybe we should go to change the name from Friday Live to Friday again because it comes comes around so fast. Okay, so let's go to the catechism. And, uh, again, we're talking about faithful citizenship, forming Catholic conscience, 
Um, and our catechism dedicates uh, to that topic uh, or, or to, speaks to that topic. And we're going to go to paragraph 2242, where our catechism says, The citizen is obliged in conscience not to follow the directives of civil authorities when they are contrary to the demands of the moral order, to the fundamental rights of persons or the teachings of the gospel, refusing obedience to civil authorities when their demands are contrary to those of an upright conscience, finds its justification in the distinction between serving God and serving the political community. And then there's, of course, quotes, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. We must obey God rather than men. And the Catechism says, when citizens are under the oppression of a public authority which oversteps its competence, they should still not refuse to give or to do what is objectively demanded of them by the common good, but it is legitimate for them to defend their own rights and those of their fellow citizens against the abuse of his authority within the limits of the natural law and the law of the gospel. You know, we've had since 1973 in this country legalized abortion, and it's the law of the land. We have the Supreme Court a few years ago um, determined that individuals of the same sex could, quote-unquote, get married. They tried to redefine marriage. There, and we see things like that. We've seen legislation introduced and passed uh, and enacted on, on um, death with dignity, euthanasia, uh, even to the point uh, of... of uh, allowing what is close, what is, infanticide, as far as abortion goes. And these things should be disturbing to everyone, but especially to people of faith, because they are contrary to what we know to be true. They are contrary to the moral order. And we should be rejecting these things. And we should be with a well-formed conscience, rejecting those who promote and support and propagate these things. And I think that's where many Catholics seem to write their own rules, unfortunately. Um, you know, they justify in their own minds put voting for someone into voting someone into office who is openly promoting these things that are uh, uh, gravely offensive to God and that go against the moral order. Nobody's perfect, you know, but we have to vote for the best person of the options that we have, or the better, or if it's just two people, or the best if it's a group of people, or the, but given, given what we have, you know, well, this candidate is this way, that way, says this, says that, I can't vote for him or her, or this, based on these things. But I'm going to vote for this person, even though they're in favor of uh, and promote abortion on demand and, and, and euthanasia and, and uh, these things that are against the moral order. 
So we have to be very, very careful. But we have to vote and select and discern, decide with a well-formed Catholic conscience. And that's up to the individual to ensure that the conscience is well-formed. We're adults. We have every obligation, if we consider ourselves to be Catholic, we're under every obligation to ensure that we know our faith, we love our faith, and we live our faith. I find it very, very disturbing, as I'm sure most of you do, uh, people, especially politicians, who call themselves Catholic, consider themselves practicing Catholics, and who openly promote legalized abortion up to the ninth month, who openly promote euthanasia, death with dignity, whatever they want to call it. There's, you know, something not right. And the, and the, the excuse or the, the rationale used, like, I'm not going to impose my faith on the people. Your faith should have formed you to know what the right thing to do is. It's very, very difficult, I know. It's a difficult situation, but we're at that point where we have to, as Catholics, stand up for what is good and holy and true. The Catechism also addresses um, armed resistance. It says armed resistance to oppression by political authorities is not legitimate unless all of the following conditions are met. There was a certain grave and prolonged violation of fundamental rights. All other means of redress have been exhausted. Such resistance will not provoke worse disorders. There is well-founded hope of success, and it's impossible reasonably to foresee any better solution. So all of these need to be met. Now, we've seen and heard a lot about the Second Amendment and the rights to bear arms, and that's a right we have in this country. Uh, But armed resistance to oppression by political authority is directly addressed in the Catechism in paragraph 2243. We hope we never have to come to that, especially in this country, but you never know. Um, Paragraph 2244 addresses the political community and the church. It says, every institution is inspired, at least implicitly, by a vision of a man and his destiny, from which it derives the point of reference for its judgment, its hierarchy of values, its line of conduct. Most societies have formed their institutions in the recognition of a certain preeminence of man over things. Only the divinely revealed religion has clearly, I'm sorry, only the divinely revealed religion has clearly recognized man's origin and destiny in God, the creator and redeemer. The church invites political authorities to measure their judgments and decisions against the inspired truth about God and man. Societies not recognizing this vision or rejecting it in the name of their independence from God are brought to seek their criteria and goal in themselves or to borrow them from some ideology. Since they do not admit that one can defend an objective criterion of good and evil, they arrogate to themselves an explicit or implicit totalitarian power over men and destiny, as history shows. The beauty of our country, you know, my friends, I don't have to tell you this, the beauty of our country is that it was founded on the basic Judeo-Christian principles of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, recognizing 
that as citizens, that all men are created equal, all men created equal, uh, because we are given these unalienable rights by God, our creator. Every person has them. And we see around the world and have seen in, in the course of, of human history totalitarian governments and, and uh, authoritarian governments that have oppressed the people uh, and that have, have, you know, obviously not lived by these principles. People come to this country to be free from that, to be free from that type of oppression. And it's all based on understanding that, yes, there is a higher being than even the leader of the country, that we are answerable to God, that it's God who gives us these rights, and that we need certainly governance in our, in our uh, communities, in our, in, our, in our countries. But we have to also temper those governances with the realization that it's God who is in control and God who gives us these rights. Remember Jesus before Pilate, when Pilate says to him, don't you know I have the authority to have you crucified or let you go? Jesus said, you'd have no authority if my Father in heaven didn't give it to you. So we see today, you know, uh, people who want to be representing us, and I want to say leaders. You know, I don't. I, I think in this country we 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 are forgetting sometimes that the people uh, to whom we give, we the people give power to lead, are there to serve. <laughs> you know, through God, we the people give the president and then the vice president and then Congress and senators, the power to do what they're doing because they're there to serve, not themselves. They're there to serve the people. We, the people, should be on the heart and mind of every American, that we, the people, are in charge. And the people who are in those positions, if they are not people of God, you know, it's some scary stuff out there sometimes when you hear some of these politicians talking the way they talk, where they are completely separating themselves from God. And the Catechism addresses that directly. It says, society is not recognizing this vision or rejecting it in the name of their independence from God, are brought to seek the criteria and goal in themselves or to borrow them from some ideology. Since they do not admit that one can defend an objective criterion of good and evil, they arrogate to themselves an explicit or implicit totalitarian power over man and his destiny, and history has shown that. The Catechism says the Church, because of her commission and competence, is not to be confused in any way with the political community. She is both the sign and the safeguard of the transcendent character of the human person. The church respects and encourages the political freedom and responsibility of the citizen. It is a part of the church's mission to pass moral judgment even in matters related to politics whenever the fundamental rights of man or the salvation of souls requires it. This, the means, the only means she may use 
are those which are in accord with the gospel and the welfare of all men according to the diversity of times and circumstances. You know, this is why you don't hear any of our church leaders, pope, bishops, cardinals, pastors, standing up and saying to the people, vote for this person, don't vote for that person by name. The church doesn't endorse any political candidate. We don't endorse any political candidate here. But we look at the issues, the church looks at the issues, and if there are issues that um, require us to seriously look at the fundamental rights of individuals or the salvation of souls that may be affected by matters related to politics, the church will speak out about that, and the church does speak out about that and is obligated to speak out about that. But all this comes down to that's why we go to the church to help us form our consciences. You know, we have to think beyond the present moment in the sense that we know that we will leave this world. We will stand before Almighty God, and we will be held accountable for our actions. And we are obligated when it comes to moral judgment on these issues that are directly affecting uh, the fundamental rights of individuals from, from the helpless unborn to the, to the elderly, you know, from, from the moment of conception to the moment of natural death, or the salvation of souls, those who are actively promoting that, who, who are call themselves. You know, it's one thing to be ignorant of the facts, you know, one thing to be ignorant of understanding that life begins at conception and that a human person deserves every right to life to the moment of natural death. It's another thing to say, I'm a Catholic, I'm a practicing Catholic, which then means you should have a well-formed Catholic conscience to know that life begins at the moment of conception, and you should know that every life deserves the dignity to live until the moment of natural death without any type of outside interruption. And if you have that well-formed Catholic conscience and you know that and you say you believe that, but you work to promote opportunities for uh, abortion up to the ninth month or euthanasia or death with dignity or mercy killing, whatever they're going to call it. There's something very spiritually dangerous about that. And people have to understand that. And then to actively promote and put into any office an individual who says that they would do that as a Catholic, again, we have to look beyond personality and 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 likes and dislikes of things. It just you know, it, it this is how the devil works. You know, I, I find it. You know, I I think about people who, and usually politicians who speak out about these things, who call themselves Catholic. I'm pro-life, they'll tell you. I'm pro-life, but I believe in exceptions. 
rape, incest, life of the mother. But rape and incest. You mean the child's life means nothing if, as a result of how he or she was conceived? What makes that life any different? So you're not pro-life. If you're supporting the destruction of human life based on how that child was conceived. There can be no exception for that. Again, another another way to try to appease a certain group or to ease your own mind and 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 doesn't make any sense to me. Now, I don't want to sound as if I'm lecturing. <laughs> But my goodness, my friends, that's why we're here. You know, we're here just to, to, to proclaim the truth of what the church teaches. And I know a lot of people sometimes don't like to hear that. <laughs> They'd rather be, you know, confirmed in their own thought and, and justification. But it doesn't work that way. We can only speak truth. We can only teach what the church teaches. We can only reinforce what Jesus revealed to the church, and the church has taught faithfully for 2,000 years. That's why you're listening to Catholic Radio, and I know for 99.9% of you, <laughs> we're all agreeing, but unfortunately there are those uh, in our in our uh, church who don't think that way, sadly. Okay, I'm going to go uh, tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Cheryl and I will be here for Friday Live, so I hope you come back for that. Stay tuned now for Cresta in the Afternoon followed by Catholic Answers Live. Have a great rest of your day, my brothers and sisters. Thank you for all you do for us. Please support us. Go to our website, domesticchurchmedia.org, and help us out this month, won't you please? My name is Jim Manfredonia. Thanks for listening. God bless you, and God love you. Bye.